And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Wednesday morning. We have all your NBA offseason action right here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper, joined today by John Krasinski and Britt Robson with Andrew Schleck pushing buttons. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this crazy sports year and the crazy sports year that's going to follow because let's be honest, it's not going to change anything. Go to theathletic.com slash daily ding. You can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a week. Sports are back. You don't want to miss any breaking stories, especially because the season's going to start in like a day, it seems like. So go to theathletic.com slash daily ding to receive an all-access subscription for just a dollar a week. Coming up on today's show, the NBA is still negotiating the start date. But first, the Wolves have a tough choice to make with the number one pick. Do they trade it? Do they use it? Do they just put it in their pocket? That's not an actual option. But we'll join uh, John and Britt right now. Britt, I want to start with you because while we do have a lot to get to with this draft selection and, and whether or not they can trade it and whether or not you know Anthony Edwards or James Wiseman or LaMelo Ball, whoever you want to throw in there is the right selection. You wrote recently a piece that essentially says draft night, that is the end of the honeymoon period for Gerson Rosas. It's time to produce. Uh, do you want to expound on that a little bit without giving away the entire article? Sure. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that um, he – recycled 24 players through his team, raised the roster twice, uh, got 19 wins in the third worst winning percentage in the NBA last year while entering the luxury tax. I mean, those set of circumstances are not gleaming endorsements for any front office guy. And yet the Wolves fan base, I think, is is still in his corner because they've had such an incredible run of clueless management and people playing checkers instead of chess. Rosas right now, at least, is demonstrating he knows the language of chess. We don't know yet whether he plays it very well, but we suspect he does. He got rid of some heavy contracts on the Wolves' ledger in terms of Andrew Wiggins, Jeff T, Gorgie Jang, um, and he did get D'Angelo Russell uh, to pair with Cat. So now the question becomes, can step two be something more than just clearing Deadwood and setting a stage? Can he actually put pieces in place that make sense? And with three picks, one, 17, and 33, all 16 slots apart, it's a perfect draft given the uncertainty at the top for a GM like Rosas, who's got Sashin Gupta and some really other smart eggheads in the front office uh, going over a lot of stuff. He's a protege of Daryl Morey. He believes in being bold. He believes in being innovative. Well, now is the time to show it. Uh, this is a 19-win team. This is a team with a wretched history and a wretched reputation around the NBA. Now he's got three picks, and uh, with free agency uh, being a little bit shortened because of the salary cap concerns, I think this is the time when he has to make a splash either with the guys out of college or leveraging these picks in some way, shape, or form to convince the fan base, which, by the way, also maybe convince a new owner because Glenn Taylor has the team up for sale, 
that he can get things done. Yeah, John, so, you know, it's tough because the Wolves are in a stacked Western Conference, and it's stacked like it's never been before. Like, like they should be projected to be the worst team this year, right? Which is kind of defeating to say when you've got Cat, you've got D'Angelo, and you've got the number one pick going into an offseason where maybe you can remake the roster a little bit more. But... You know the Grizzlies, who thought everyone everyone thought were going to be terrible, they surged. Uh, you know last season and and kind of uh, jumped over expectations. The Suns surged at the at the right time in the bubble, so maybe they have momentum. The Warriors, who were the worst team, we know that they're not the worst team. They're going to be healthy this year. So, how much improvement do you think we need to see out of the Wolves based on this honeymoon period being over? Yeah, I mean, I do think that this next season is one that is probably not going to be measured in are you making the playoffs or not. I mean, it's not a, a, a postseason or bust type of a situation, but I do think that there has to be tangible improvement just in terms of watching this team come together, you know, kind of as as Britt was saying what you want to see now after one year of sort of um, really kind of cleaning out the the garbage that they needed to clean out and bringing in some players who kind of fit the system that they want to play. Uh, they have to kind of coalesce into a team and you have to see this identity form. You have to see what D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns look like together. Um, you You want to see the team really kind of playing and fitting into the style of play that they want to, and then showing some promise with that along the way. You know, remember last year they started the season out uh, with, you know, implementing a system based on shooting three-pointers and getting to the rim, yet deploying the likes of Trevian Graham and Shabazz Napier and a bunch of guys who cannot shoot from outside. I think right. all of the moves that they made in February were designed to try and get closer to that, but... With this draft, with free agency that's going to be coming up, with any trades they can make, you want to see this, you want to know coming out of this next season that this team is ready to take a huge step forward um, the following year in Carl Anthony Towns' third season in that max deal. It's That's got to be the timeline to give everyone some sort of idea that, okay, we see the vision, we see it starting to come together. And maybe right now the West is just really too difficult to to make the playoffs, but it's got to be getting closer to a point of they're they're ready to push for the playoffs. Yeah. So Britt, in terms of the the D'Angelo Russell Carl Anthony Towns pairing, um, I think we can recognize wow the offense could be incredible, and oh my god the defense will probably be even worse, right? Like I, I as good as one end could be, the other end could be the exact opposite, and then and then maybe maybe even even worse than that. So the idea is like, all right, let's get three and D guys around the, around these players. And maybe you can make up for enough of that. But how realistic do you think that is to, to find that right mix of role players to put around these two guys? Well, um, I think the synopsis is obvious. Uh, and, and I, I do think three and D is what they need. I think it isn't that difficult if you can get catch and shoot three point shooters and you can get guys who, you know, have a hard-nosed profile. The problem right now is that uh, where they, even though they have three picks, 117 and 33, um, finding three and D guys in the draft is a guy like Vassell, a number one guy. Uh, most people would say no. He's at the very least like four or five 
six is is the best I've seen anybody put him up at. And yet, if you're talking about a good fit on the Wolves roster, he'd be a really good fit. If you're talking about a Congo being a guy, you know, a bam and waiting, that would be another guy. But do you want to spend the number one pick on those guys? That's one of the reasons I, I really see Rosas looking to trade this pick back a ways and get something. Now, the question then becomes, you know, does, say, a Charlotte want a Wiseman enough to jump over Golden State and, and take him? And if so, what do you get out of that deal? Or do the Knicks, you know, everybody always wants to take advantage of the Knicks. Do you get their pick at eight and give them number one in exchange for maybe uh, one of their picks, either the Dallas pick or their pick next year? These are the kinds of things I would be looking at because I three and D in the draft with the profile they have, a guy like Patrick Williams probably isn't going to stay at 17, but there's no way he's going to be there at one either. So, I mean, you want him at one, you know, maybe Sadiq Bay, you know, there are some guys who kind of fit in there, but there's just not a lot of places in their draft slots for their need of what they want. So John, you, you, uh, through the smoke screen. Apparently, there are smoke screens happening right now in <laughs> Shocking, NBA. Right? <laughs> yeah, in NBA uh, discussions, uh, which I think is a new thing this year. I think that's a yeah. new part of the CBA. I don't think that's ever happened before. <laughs> but I've heard a lot. You've obviously heard a lot. Like I've heard that that Charlotte is dead set on Wiseman, but they know that they can't. You know, he's unlikely to fall past the Warriors. But how much of how much pressure does that put on them to? to truly buy in, leap above, trade with the Wolves, and and give up something of value in the process. Um, I've also heard the Wolves would love to trade out of that spot because there is no clear-cut number one guy, um, but that because there's no clear-cut number one guy, that makes it hard to trade out of that spot and get, get the proper value. And so it, if you had to make a best guess right now, are they making that selection for themselves or are they making that selection for another team on draft night? Well, I, I do think that they would prefer to trade out of it if they could find a package that they find that they think provides them with the type of player, um, either a young veteran or even just to move back a little bit so they can you know grab one of the guys that they really like at a little bit better of a value position and maybe pick up a, a future draft pick considerations as well to kind of replenish some of the draft stock that they gave up in the in the Andrew Wiggins D'Angelo Russell deal, uh, so that I think if in a perfect world if they can wave a magic wand they do that and then land a, a you know a veteran type player who could come in and really help them a little bit closer you know it, with a little bit shorter learning curve than one of these young guys. That said, um, from all I've heard to this point, it's that is that trade talks have been kind of slow. To this point yeah. now, that shouldn't be, I guess, too uh, surprising, given that this is a deadline driven league and that when, you know, the the, the real um, substantive trade talks won't happen until much closer to the draft. And really until this collective bargaining agreement is established, until teams know what kind of financial parameters they're going to be operating under maybe this year and ideally next year as well. It's just really hard to make trades when you don't know all of those factors or really discuss substantive trades that way. So I think that that chatter will pick up you know, with, you know, in the, in, with a week to go, two weeks to go before the draft, and we're, all, we're getting up to that point. But um, I, in the end, Zach, I, I think that it's just going to be really hard to get quote-unquote fair value 
right. for that pick. And so I think that, I, you know, I would have to say the money has to be on them sitting at number one and making a selection there. Yeah, Britt, I feel like they're going to go into draft night just telling other teams, we'll do it. Yeah. We'll draft Anthony Edwards. That's on it. Like, we're we're going to do it. Don't make us do it. And I actually wrote, I think a week ago or whenever that was, that um, if I'm the Wolves, I just get weird. I pick James Wiseman number one, and I say, if you want to trade for him, come get him. We're going to showcase him immediately. And we maybe even try to make this thing work with two bigs with him and Cat. Now, Britt, that might be a disaster because I don't know that he truly projects to being a good defender. Um, but it also might, you know, if you can make those two guys work and, and Wiseman becomes a little bit of a shooter like a lot of people think he will be and he can be a rim protector, um, even if he's not a great defender. I don't know. Maybe it's weird. I mean, it's the Wolves. Like, how how bad could it get? Well, I do think the point of my column yesterday was that I think Rosas needs to make a splash. And I think that uh, he's coming out of uh, mentors uh, who think in bold terms and think in terms of talent that may be something that they want to flip. I mean, what Golden State did with D'Angelo Russell last year is a perfect example of, uh, you know, they got him in the KD sign and trade, and then they, they leveraged him for uh, a number one pick from the Wolves, top three protected uh, next year, which is pretty good. I would say, I mean, you know, they won't do this, but I mean, if we're going to get weird rather than a, um, you know, a Twin Towers-like situation, I would trade D'Angelo Russell in the number one pick for Ben Simmons. Whoa. Um, Woo! Whoa. I like it. Can well, you trade Cat's friend after you just traded for him? Yeah, because as you said, it has the potential to be one of the worst defensive two-man tandems in the NBA. And meanwhile, you got an all NBA point guard sitting out there, and you got a team in Philadelphia that uh, signed their own pretty rambunctious general manager recently who may want to start. You got a good relationship between Uh, the two. The Sixers were kind of a a, a dysfunctional mess most of the season. They get a chance to land the player of their choice and get D'Angelo Russell, who really fits their half court system a lot better than Simmons in many respects because he spaces the floor a little bit more. Um, meanwhile, the Wolves get a guy who can play the point um, and uh, can be a ball handler and also gives Cat a chance. Maybe you turn Cat loose a little bit more, being more like a Jokic type, you know, a guy who uh, playmakes more at the top of the key, which I think Cat would embrace. And then you say to Cat, okay, we're doing all this for you. Now go play some defense. It's a great thought. You know, here's, but here's the one thing that I do wonder about. It, it, I think that Rosas rightly wants to pair Cat with a shooter in that kind of pick-and-roll combination. And that's one of the things they like about Russell is his ability to stretch the floor, space the floor, and shoot. Ben Simmons obviously doesn't do that. I've always said that. If I think that Ben Simmons would be perfect here, but I would play him at the four. I would, you know, I, I would, uh-huh. you know, bring him in here and let him run, run and crash and and defend and pass and play make and do all those things. And then, it, ideally, now I don't see how you could do it, but if you had Russell, a Russell Simmons and and Towns, you know, uh, trio, then that really complements yeah. each other. Then Simmons doesn't have to shoot at all. And 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 you you don't. You don't get Correct. Simmons unless you partner yeah, with yeah. Russell. And so it is one of those things that, again, I, I, my caveat at the beginning is the holds. The Wolves mm-hmm. won't do it, partly because they, they worried about Cat 
what he might feel about with his friend. All I would say, though, in response to that is if this team doesn't play defense next year, uh, they're going to need to score 140 points a game to even get within sniffing range of like 10 or 11. Uh, and so then what happens? Then you start to hear all the rumors, the whole cat uh, going somewhere else. Uh, circus starts to come to town. Um, there isn't that much room right now to just hope that Cat and D'Lo discover how to play defense or that you get some really good 3 and D help in this See, draft. I think, and yeah. as I say, I, yeah, I, I, I think I think the Timberwolves and, and Rosas kind of go, going coming from the Maury school, I think they believe in their ability to find role players to come in. And, and excel in what they need to do. They liked what they saw from Jake Lehman last year before he got hurt. They think that there's more of that out there, whether it's in the draft, whether you can get them in, in free agency. And, you know, what it really all comes down to, like we saw Maury, you know, right in Houston, they brought in their Arizas, the Lucamba Mutes, the Capellas, the, all, all those different guys because they had Harden at the, at the middle of it. And what I think the Wolves... The, what this all comes down to, even less so than than their ability to find role players, which I think everyone is confident that they can do internally, it's what how good is our Towns and Russell together? Um, that's what I think all of this comes down to. Obviously, Towns and Russell have supreme belief in each other, and they think that you know they they've been talking about this for years. They think that. If they get together, their games complement each other so well. Now they have the coach that they like. Um, they have all of these things set up for them. And so really, when you look at this upcoming season for the Wolves, for me, it is it is a referendum on Rosas and his vision, but it's more so a referendum on what Towns and Russell are and how good they are um, because they've been talking and they believe in themselves and now it's going to be time for them to show everyone that they can do this. And I think if they click the way that they believe they can and the way that the Timberwolves believe that they can, then I think it's going to be a little bit easier to surround them with those catch and shoot three and D guys um, to, to make them, you know, just passable uh, defensively. And that's, you know, that's going to be the plan for them going forward. But this is just the make or break kind of, um, situation for for those two young stars to come into and really show what they what they're capable of doing. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, I'm, I'm glad, Britt, that you brought up, you know, inching towards that, that 10th spot in the West because we've got news from ESPN 
that maybe that's all it will take because the play-in tournament proposal <laughs> has coalesced around the structure. ESPN first reported was gaining traction in early 2018, a four-team tournament among the numbers 7, 8, 9, and 10 seeds for the final two playoff spots in each conference. The setup gives the teams who finished with the regular season 7th and 8th two chances to secure a postseason berth. Number 9 and 10 would have to win twice without losing in order to snare one of those two spots. And so maybe the Wolves only have to get to 10 and then just, you know, win a couple of games against uh, a 7 or an 8 seed in the Western Conference to secure that. So uh, maybe a loophole, Britt, of, of how to get the Wolves back into <laughs> playoff contention sooner rather than the conference may lead them to. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, on the one hand, what you want to do is prevent tanking as much as possible. And if you have teams that are, say, sitting at 11th rather than, you know, settling back and, and getting that expanded lottery odds, uh, they make a run for it, and you have more competitive games. Plus, let's face it, fan bases prefer teams that try to win. And, uh, the, you know, every sport has started to do this. They've tried to expand the number of uh, playoff chances, if not playoff teams, uh, having play-in games, having these short, brief series, and they're popular. So, I mean, it makes sense. Um, but, again... I'll, I'll flat out tell you, as much as I believe in a cat, uh, D-Lo offensive, you know, powerhouse, getting to 10 or 11 in the West, you know, you can look at the teams, put your finger alongside every West Western Conference team, and then tell me the Wolves belong in the top 10. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's going to yeah, be tough, man. It is, it's going to be a bloodbath. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, John, and, and then we will uh, maybe be starting this whole thing up December 22nd. At least that's what it, it seems like. Even though there are deadlines that keep getting pushed, uh, the league has been trying to figure out a way to get that extra month in. The players have said they want a January 18th start date for MLK Day, give them an extra month to, to prepare for the season. But the counter to that from the league has been, okay, they know, then you only get 50 games instead of 72 games, which obviously greatly reduces the uh, the amount of salary and revenue that can come in. They want to get everything done before uh, before the Olympics, so they're not competing with the Olympics. They want to get things back on track and take care of the health of the of the league for the 21-22 season. Um, and they're also searching for expanded cash flow into teams that would be like uh, sports betting, hard alcohol, casinos that could generate eighty to a hundred million dollars in revenue. That's core into ESPN as well. So, John, um, best guess on when the league starts? Because I, I personally think it is going to be we'll have we'll have Christmas games. I think the players will will blink when it comes down to it. Um, but do you have a different read on the situation? No, I, I think that's it too. I think there's just too much money involved, Zach. I mean, you know, I know that you know the the, the superstars in this league maybe uh, don't have the necessarily the the desperate need for that cash that some of the rank and file members do, but there's a lot more rank and file than there are the LeBron Jameses and the Chris Pauls of the world. And so I think that's going to be um, the, the turning point for that for everyone is to get them there. I also know that the, the owners are very dug in on this issue. Like there's not uh, a lot of compromise. I don't think coming from their side of things, they want that Christmas day, uh, revenue. They want that stage. They want all of that uh, for the NBA to get themselves back on track. I, I think some of what I wonder about is if some of the the player pushback is negotiating. Right. This is a negotiating position right now. Right. I think the owners want let the the players to take like forty percent of their contract in escrow. 
maybe the the players can dig their heels in on the start date and say, we'll give you on the start date if you give us a little bit on that escrow percentage or let us stretch it out over a couple of years. Maybe there's something to be done there. But ultimately, I just think that money talks in these situations all the time. And so I think we're going to be playing on Christmas for sure. Yeah, most years, most years, I think you have or most negotiations with the owners. You think you have uh, them kind of fudging numbers a little bit. This time, I, I do yeah. think it's legitimate. I think there's been so much money lost that it's just like, nah, we kind of got to just let the let the NBA Board of Governors have this one. While that doesn't sound great for a lot of people, I do think you just got to kind of get the seasons in, get things back on track and hope that their fans not next season, but the season after. To, uh, to start bumping up those paychecks. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network, the Athletic NBA show, No Dunks, House of Strauss, all the team-specific shows with your favorite beat writers. Make sure you follow on the application. You get notifications for new episodes. And you use that comment section. And again, if you're not a member of The Athletic, you don't subscribe, what's wrong with you? Theathletic.com slash Daily Ding. You can get it for a dollar a week right now. You cannot beat that deal. Also, check out the restricted area with myself and Wozni Lamb on the Athletics YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. Like it. Share it. Do all that good stuff. Leave a nice comment. Let us know that we uh, we look good and we're saying stuff that's relatively smart. Uh, that's going to do it. Thanks for waking up with us. Hope you voted. Hope you stayed safe. Hope you leave that mask on. And we will catch you next time on The Daily Day. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.